Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartney, founder of plotplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello and welcome back to The Plotting Shed. It is lovely to be back. Now, sadly, this is the last episode in this current series of The Plotting Shed. We will be back in the spring. It's just that I don't think continually harping on about garden and garden design in December and the run up to Christmas and New Year, nobody's interested because you're all looking at buying Christmas presents and meeting up with friends and having a lovely time. So we take a break and then we will come back when the daffodils are starting to flower in the spring and you're thinking about all new things for the garden. So to finish off this year, I'm kind of diverging a little bit from garden design, but talking more about garden planning. Maybe some food for thought for next year. Now, as many of you know, I have been doing this experiment this year where I have taken a conscious decision not to be as worried about weeds and trying to see what happens to just give some of the plants in the borders an underplanting of green so I disturb the soil less and I have to do less work. I haven't got the time to garden so I'm having to adapt my approach. Now there have been some upsides and there have been some downsides to that which I'll briefly chat about and then I've also done my no mow may on the lawn which I've continued all the way through this year so I haven't mown about 80% of my lawn since April but the reason that I making these changes to how I run and plan and and effectively do the garden are some very sound reasons why part of it is to do with fitting in with a busy work-life schedule. Secondly, it's also to do about what am I gardening for and why am I actually creating this garden? And I've been doing research over the last few months looking at how I can get the garden to help me garden. In other words, if the garden is better at looking after itself, it means I don't have to. So what do I need to do to ensure that that happens? There is a major psychological shift that you need to take to do this type of gardening. And I will be honest with you that it's probably been the hardest part of adapting my gardening techniques is this psychological shift. On one hand, everything that you see in the garden media and shows and in magazines and everything else is immaculate 
and you then look at your garden and you compare one with the other and you somehow feel that you are your garden is left wanting because it doesn't look as neat and tidy and beautiful and pristine but that's not the point you are trying to create a garden that looks after itself better which means that you don't have to and that's all about restoring balance because in the wider landscape if humans haven't got involved nature has a very good ecosystem and balance that one plant doesn't take over everything diseases and pests don't tend to proliferate out of control there are checks and balances there's the yin there's the yang there's the up there's the down and it's only when humans do our thing that we mess it up what i am trying to do in my garden is to restore the balance i'm lightly refereeing the plants so that they begin to take over control of how they want to grow and what they want to do and the good ones will thrive and the weak ones will disappear because that's how nature works now you may be thinking yes but that isn't a garden that's not what i want my garden to look like i want to step outside the back door and be faced with a very neat environment and i want the patio to be clean and i want the plants to be ordered and everything else that's fine and i accept that people want to have a garden that looks neat and tidy and is representative of the inside of the house outside which is why i'm saying that this psychological shift is the hardest one that you have to take because you've got to break away from the construct of the advertisers media horticultural sales part of the industry and look at what do i need my garden to deliver for me and how can i make that happen i suppose the hardest thing that i've had to sort of get my head around has been the weed issue i have block paving patios and keeping those weed free has been an absolute nightmare this year i've had to resort to some chemical sprays because i just simply can't keep on top of the weeding in the block paving but in the rest of the garden it's not bothering me quite so much the ground is covered in in green so although there are plants that would be classed as weeds basically i can't see the soil anymore now there is a very good reason why i think this is a good thing and i was looking and reading up about charles dowding's no dig methodology and also there is a website called the soilfoodweb.com i'll put the links in the notes underneath i'm sure some of you by now will have heard of the wood wide web well there's also a soil food web as well and all of this links into charles dowding's no dig policy now the science behind it is this and it's this reason that i have allowed my garden to naturalize more than i would have done in the past under the soil we have now discovered that nature did decided that it was going to put in an internet 500 million years ago and they've created this fungal network between trees and plants 
In fact, scientists now think that 90% of all land-based plants are part of this woodwide mycorrhizal fungal network. Now, a vast majority of that network lies a few centimetres beneath the soil. And it's all part of these little tiny filaments that attach to the roots of plants. And what they've discovered is that it's not just that there is a symbiotic relationship between the plant and the fungus, i.e. the fungus helps the plant extract the nutrients from the soil and in return the plant or the tree provides sugars to the fungus. It's much more than that because it shows that plants where they have an excess of sugars and another tree further away is struggling. The network and the woodwide web, we can transfer nutrients from one plant to another. So trees and plants collaborate with each other. When we start digging the soil to put more plants in, we break this network. Now, we all know how we feel if the internet goes down for a few hours. Well, the same occurs underneath the soil. And so we lose this balance, on top of which, since about the 1930s, 40s and 50s, gardening was very much about showing how we can order the environment and create nice, neat rows and grow vegetables and there's no weeds around them. We have bare soil because that shows good land management. Well, all of that's now sort of very outdated. And the reason it's become outdated is the understanding of science of the soil, which is where this soil food web comes in from a person called Dr. Elaine Ingham. Her understanding of how plants and the soil work is, is this, and it, this was new to me, I hadn't realised this. When we constantly remove the organic matter, the problem with that is that then we begin to denigrate the soil. The organic matter, the breakdown of that organic matter doesn't happen. And because it doesn't and gets fed into the soil over the course of the winter, what you get left with is a much more pure grainy soil, in essence, which can compact more easily. Think like a clay soil. It doesn't have that mixture of fibrous decaying matter sort of bought into it. That soil then can compact quite hard because there's nothing to keep it open, which makes it hard for roots to grow. Because the sun and the wind can then actually get to the soil, you have erosion problems. You have more evaporation problems. The soil itself becomes less nutrient rich. And if it's not nutrient rich, it then can't support the microbial life forms and earthworms and other ground living bugs and insects and creatures that are vital to help predate on pests and diseases and insects and all the other things that we have. We kind of have inadvertently thought that we know best and interfered with nature's cycle. Now, this was an interesting fact I learned. Where you have this no-dig policy, and so you are looking at improving the structure and the, the fertility and the nutrient element of the soil, it's the layers of the organic matter which allow for the soil to be compacted well as opposed to compacted poorly. That then allows the breakdown 
of the decaying material. It's anaerobic as opposed to aerobic. Because there's no fermentation of the soil, it doesn't produce the alcohols, which I didn't know soil produced alcohols anyway. And because it doesn't produce the alcohols, slugs can't survive as well in it. If you leave your organic layers on the soil and let nature literally compact it down by itself, the whole of the soil health becomes better. It also means you don't have to dig up, you don't have to weed, you don't have to clear up, you don't have to do all sorts of things. One of the things about digging is that you turn up the soil, you break the mycorrhizal networks, but you also lift dormant weed seeds up to more light levels where where these seeds can germinate. So I hope next year I'm going to not be inundated with too many weeds. I am going to go into the garden borders this winter and I will remove, you know, I'm refereeing. That's what I'm doing. I'm not removing weeds. I'm refereeing the weed growth. Where is it too rampant and do I need to just pull it back? But I'm not going to be digging plants and digging holes and turning over the soil anymore because that really is breaking the the process and the cycle for good soil health and breaking my underground network. And if I break my underground internet, then the plants can't talk to each other, they can't communicate and they can't collaborate. If I haven't got the soil as fertile as possible, the network and the internet simply hasn't got the electricity it needs effectively to operate. The internet breaks down. And all of this, when you put it in that context means that the microclimate of my garden is constantly under stress. Now for all of those of you who want to have a very pristine, neat and tidy garden, looks contemporary and modern and sleek, just like the magazine images. All I'm saying is that the one reason that most people choose to have a garden like that is because they'd see and and connect with those images as being low maintenance. But it's not low maintenance. What you're doing is you're just establishing a stress path that the garden is going to go down because it will gradually denigrate and you will lose the balance and then all the problems come in. It's just like the human body. We all function really well, but when we're run down, we get ill. Now, it's not that we've necessarily caught something. Those things are already inside us, but our own natural immune system can keep them in check. It's when our immune system is stressed and compromised, its performance drops, and then the nasties and the germs and the bugs can proliferate. It's exactly the same in your garden. As a a go forward for next year, I am definitely going to now expand this no-dig policy. I mean, I've always looked at creating my own compost and disturbing the soil as little as possible. But I might now take that to the next point to disturb it even, even less, because ultimately I will then give my plants the best opportunity to grow well and grow healthily. Now, the other benefits that I've seen 
so far this year, having this no-mow grass and worrying less about weeds has been the increase in biodiversity. I have noticed it far, far more. The birds come down onto the lawn to feed much more than they used to. The hedgehogs are now much more visible and I, I didn't have hedgehogs for years. They've come back in again. If you do live in an urban environment this winter, just make sure there is some area in your fence. It just needs to be the size of an old CD. So literally five inches, 10 centimetres, eight centimetres wide, just a small gap that hedgehogs then can go between gardens. Your gardens will benefit enormously. And there was a baby hedgehog outside my back door last night, so I was so chuffed. The bats were flying much lower over my garden all through the summer which meant that there was more food for them. So I think although my garden is, in inverted commas, messier, I'm gradually changing my psychology around to go, you know what, Rach, your garden's better because of it. But in terms of the wood wide web, do you remember the film Avatar? and how amazing and all the graphics were from Avatar. Well, actually, we have our own Avatar underneath our feet in the back gardens. And I think the more that we can appreciate that and try to humanise the gardens less, I think horticulturally things will be a lot better. So that's what I'm going to do for next year. Be less neat. Be more kind to my garden. Be less intense. So I'm just going to referee a little, a little less intensively some elements of the garden. And I have this year worked a lot, lot less. My big beef is keeping the paths and the hard landscaping weed free. That has not been as easy this year and I can accept why a lot of people won't want to partake in in what I'm doing but if you can do it in, in just a small part of your garden it will improve things greatly. Going forward on a positive and changing and transforming your gardens into something that you will get more from. So I think be less sanitized Nature is not the inside of your house. Nature is nature. And we go out into the woods and we never worry how messy and untidy it is. We think we look at it from a beautiful perspective. So I think transfer some of that psychology into your back garden. Look at how you can embrace a small part of nature in the back garden. If you can bring nature in, you don't have to go further afield to go and see it. Try to always think about whatever you do in the garden, how will this disrupt its own balance? Am I tipping the scales too much one way or the other way? Am I being overly neat? Do we have to rethink the look of some contemporary gardens and things like this? Yeah, I think we do. I think we do. I think there's been too much hard landscaping focus for garden design for a very long time. So if I was going to have a Christmas wish about redesigning next year, then 
I think, a good starting point for you making changes to your garden for next year will be to think of it like this, that if you could only redesign your garden with plants and no hard landscaping, how could you do it? And it's only if there is a gap or a, something that is missing that you have to look to add some hard landscaping in. Because if we can create a brilliant garden with the minimal cost, because let's face it, hard landscaping is very expensive, that works for you, then that's a good garden, isn't it? And there was one really good thing that happened this year on a final note, because some of you will, if you've read my website and looked at some of the blog articles, you know I'm not a fan of bedding plants and I never have been for a whole variety of reasons. And I'll put the link to the article in these show notes so you can see why. But Tesco's have now decided that they are going to phase out peat from their bedding plant production. They sell something like 20 million bedding plants a year. So that will be a significant reduction in the peat use, just simply now that some of the big supermarket giants are moving in the right direction. Bedding plant production can improve its carbon footprint even more. Perhaps I will start thinking that bedding plants have a place in the garden, but I still will regard them as the plastic bags of the horticultural world. They are single use, and I really see very little benefit in spending all that money on them simply to throw them away after a few weeks. But we will see. I will wish you all a very happy Christmas and a very prosperous new year. And we will be back in the spring with the ninth series of the Plotting Shed podcast. In the meantime, if you've got anything you would like me to discuss with the Plotting Shed, please do drop me a line. Please also do subscribe. And if you're feeling very generous this Christmas, if you go onto the website, there's a little donate button. Um, all of them have been hugely appreciated. It just does help keep the oils of podcasting working. So thank you very much if you have already donated. And I will see you all again in 2023. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartain of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.